revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. He might be walking around, um, walking around a park out there. Is that true? Hi, I'm not in a park currently, but I am walking around Beverly Hills, taking a nice little lap, as I still am not in a place yet. But uh, it's beautiful out here, and a lot of lovely houses. It's green. It's about you did you did sign a lease though. Tell tell the people about the new house you're moving into. I'm I'm excited for you. Oh, I did find I will not be on a couch anymore. I am paying. An okay amount for California standards. I'm going to be living in West Hollywood with three of my fraternity brothers and a very nice apartment that comes with a hot tub and a pool. So that'll be really interesting. The other very exciting part is a washer and dryer in unit. So I only have to take two steps to do my laundry now, which is, uh, for me, a major key alert currently. <laughs> yeah, how was sleeping on the couch? Was it was it all right? It's, it's stressful. I mean, I don't have a key to any place. So like once I leave in the morning, which is like 9 o'clock, sometimes earlier, I'm out of the house until like seven o'clock can be kind of tough here and there, but that's why I'm taking a nice little leisurely walk, walking next to some palm trees. I mean, you can't really say that right now. Can you wit? I say you sound a little out of breath. Are you sure you're getting enough exercise out there? It sounds like too much McDonald's. Oh yeah. I I did have McDonald's today, which is just counter (laughs) to what I was about to say, but, um, uh, yeah, down weight still feeling good, looking good. Finally can start seeing my abs coming back into place. So very excited about this uh, new beginning here. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Um, tonight we had uh, we had the NBA All Star Game draft results, and you know it's actually Saturday morning. But as we sit here on a Thursday, LeBron James, Stephen Curry selected their teams, and it wasn't televised. I found that a bit weird. Um, LeBron came out and said after that it probably should have been. But regardless of the fact, we got the team LeBron starters, and I have to say when I looked over this lineup it kind of struck the fear of God into me, thinking about these five players on the court at the same time. That'd be LeBron, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, and Kyrie Irving. Um, And if that lineup doesn't make you shake a little bit in your boots, I mean, I I don't know what will, because that is a a lineup and a half right there. I think he got the upper upper hand in this one as well. I mean, I talk so highly about Giannis Antetokounmpo, but again, still not super proven at the ranks of the elites yet. I know James Harden's a great piece for Curry to have on his team, but DeMar DeRozan to close off and Joel Embiid, another young player. seems like Curry's team's going to get just walloped, if I had to guess right now. I mean, 
the spread hasn't come out, I don't believe. If it does come out and it's 13.5 in favor of LeBron's team, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I feel like LeBron's team's got, a couple, got some bigger names, but I feel like shooting-wise... I mean, I got to side with Steph's team here. I mean, look at James Harden and Steph Curry. And DeMar DeRozan, not as big of a name, I think, as the rest the rest of the nine guys in the starting lineup. But he's having a hell of a year, averaging 25 points a game. And Joel Embiid, I think, can match up with anybody. I mean, even DeMarcus Cousins, as beastly as he is, I think he matches up well. But kind of interesting that LeBron took Kyrie Irving. Um, if you haven't been watching the news, Kyrie Irving reports came out that he was maybe going to set out the entire season for the Cavaliers. They didn't end up trading him and kind of say that he needed to get knee surgery. Um, kind of interesting there. Kind of makes me think a little less of Kyrie. I mean, it's kind of a kind of a bitch move, if you ask me. I, I'm over Kyrie. I was over Kyrie when he asked for the trade and everything. I mean, there's also reports coming out that his camp didn't leak the fact that he wanted to go away, that he's been blaming LeBron and his team for kind of eavesdropping, overhearing, and then releasing the news. Interesting that LeBron chose Kyrie. I think LeBron's the bigger man in the situation. He understands the talent that he had with Kyrie. I mean, there's a lot of speculation and a lot of talk right now in the news with LeBron. I mean, he's complaining that for the Kyrie trade, he's upset they didn't get Paul George or even Eric Bledsoe. It's kind of a shot at IT. I know IT is just coming back from injury and everything, so there's a lot to be seen there. Cavs are struggling. There's no doubt about it. It's not a very strong Cavs team. It reminds me a lot of the 2009 Cavs that he brought to the finals. I mean, obviously... Isaiah Thomas can come back to being almost a 30-point-per-game player, but he did lose a lot in Kyrie. He did have a lot of respect for Kyrie. I think Kyrie at this point is just being the negative Nelly, the salty one in the in the saltines box. I don't know. It's been tough. Yeah, the Cavs, I mean, at 27-19, and 19, it's, not, it's not a bad record, but for a team... Freaking ads. But for a team that, um, with LeBron on it, that is supposed to be, you know, if not the best, always in the top three in the NBA... I mean, this team is not playing well, um, and their defense is terrible. It's horrible. Yeah, and that's the concern they had. But Kyrie, like I said, Kyrie wasn't what was making that defense good. And I think that they did sign Jeff Green, who's notably been a good defensive player. I know he's coming off the bench. Dwayne Wade at the age he is right now, who knows what defensive style he really can do. They signed a team that if they would have had six years ago would have been the greatest team in NBA history with the Derrick Rose, the Dwayne Wade, and LeBron. Even with, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, I don't even believe was in the league at that point. But Jeff Green was a solid role player. The Cavs are going to figure it out. They're still going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're still going to win it and go to the NBA Finals. This is just one of those role periods they go into whenever they incorporate a new player. Kevin Love's under some scrutiny as well as he missed the end of one game and skipped practice, claiming he was ill. The team called him out thinking that it was all fake. Isaiah Thomas mainly called him out. Yeah, I mean... It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Let me just put it that. I think this all-star break will be a nice little break for LeBron James, and I think it'll provide him a look at what one of the two big men in Anthony Davis or Demarcus Cousins could offer to his team. I think there are going to be trades in, move, or in, in motion once this NBA all-star game's up. I think it's going to be a fun showing. LeBron claims he's going to be competing at the highest level. I don't know. I, I'm very excited for this event. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, take a look at the top of the NBA power rankings. And right now, CBS Sports has the Houston Rockets at number one. You look at Houston, they're 17 and 0 in games when they have James Harden, Clint Capella, and Chris Paul. They've beaten the Warriors twice this season. Um, you know, everything's different in the playoffs, but, I mean, this, this team feels like it can contend with a team like the Warriors. And I, I hate to say that in the regular season. I mean, I know the past few, weir- past few years, 
I mean, the league has really been dominated by the Golden State Warriors, but this Houston Rockets team, I mean, Chris Paul, you never know. He could could be the guy that knocks him over the edge, but as our good friend has said before, Chris Paul, what, what has he done in his career? Um, he He's really a guy who gets a pass for never winning a big game or a big series or never getting to the NBA Finals. Um, and I have to agree with our friend Dylan Wallace, who said it first, Chris Paul really gets a pass for having a very average career when you look at the win column. Absolutely, but then you look at the stat column, and it's very, very impressive. And the difference between him and a Carmelo Anthony is the point guard isn't expected to carry a team all the way to the finals. Steph Curry, Steph I don't Curry believe, is it. the reason that Warriors team won by itself. I don't think point guards are, like, per se, the, I know they're supposed to be the quarterback on the court, but they're not that as valuable as a quarterback is to an NFL team. You need the LeBron James. You need the Kevin Durant. You need the Giannis Antetokounmpo. You need the big man down low. I mean, they had to bring back Kevin Durant in order to beat this Cleveland Cavaliers team, and it shows that when you have a more versatile big man, so most likely the small forward or even the power forward, that's more dominating than a point guard. And Chris Paul's really never played with anybody. And not I know what you're about to say. He hasn't played with anybody that I think is championship worthy. I don't think DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin count for that at all. I don't think when he was on the Pelicans, or not the Pelicans, it was the New Orleans Hornets back in the day, I don't think there was anybody on that team that was relevant. In fact, he was like LeBron in that aspect and keeping the Hornets a relevant team. Chris Paul hasn't really played with any true contenders. James Harden, I think, is that first player they are still missing one guy, in my opinion. I like Clint Compella, but I was already given a lot of crap for saying that he could be an X-Factor. All right, so hold I think that thought, Roz. We are coming up on a break here. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge. And, Roz, you were talking about Chris Paul, trying to make a case that maybe we should give him a little bit of a pass, but... I'll let you keep going on that. Nothing. I, that was pretty much the end of the thing where Clint Capella wasn't going to be an X-Factor enough. I don't know who Houston can bring in. This sounds stupid, and I'm ready for the text on Monday morning from Jared about this, but I think really Carmelo would have been a nice little scoring piece for this team. It's all about scoring with this Rockets team. Defense is kind of there with their post their, their post presence and everything. Carmelo just would have added more points, which at the end of the day is going to be the factor against the Golden State Warriors team. And obviously you got to score points to win a game, but when you're playing against the Warriors, you got to start hitting 140s, 130s in terms of what your final score is going to be. Chris Paul, I think he's the same point guard. I really don't agree with Dylan, but that's because he's a salty, salty person being a Bulls fan and whatever other fan he is. That's, that's kind of my take on Chris Paul. All right, and then we look at three and four. I think these are two of the most interesting teams in the NBA. Got the 76ers and the Timberwolves, two teams that have really made a push, I think, the last couple of years to get a lot better. Um, you look at the 76ers, Joel Embiid earning his first career All-Star game nod. Um, ben Simmons still playing out of his mind. You look at the Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, Jeff T. Um, these, these two teams, I don't think they're going to contend this year in the playoffs, but I, I've been wrong before. I've been wrong many times, but... This feels, this feels like pretty two good teams that are going to be here for a while, especially with all the young talent around him. I completely agree. Ben Simmons Wednesday night with an amazing game, 19 points, 17 assists, and 14 rebounds. I mean, for uh, what he is a rookie classified. He's not a true rookie, but that's really an impressive feat in your first full year as a player. I don't think the 76ers are going to be able to contend. I don't think they're going to pick up a series. 
I'm not so con- I'm not so convinced that the Minnesota Timberwolves couldn't pick one up. I think this Minnesota Timberwolves team adding Jimmy Butler pr- provides them with a bit of a veteran veteran presence. I know they have Jamal Crawford as well. I think this is a team that can sneak a win. I mean, if they fall to the eighth seed and go up against the Golden State Warriors or the Houston Rockets, I think they're in a little bit of trouble. But that middle of the pack in the West, I'm not too concerned about. I think we can see them move on to the conference semifinals, maybe even shake it up a little bit and get to the conference finals. I know that's asking a lot from a team with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, who are both still really young but very talented players. I'm not ruling out this Timberwolves team. I think they're very talented, and I think they actually pose a threat to Western Conference teams right now. Yeah, and then you know, we look a little farther down the list. I think it's amazing that even with Kawhi Leonard being out at the start of the year and now him being out indefinitely, that the Spurs are still 32-18. and 18. I mean, Greg Popovich, I mean, you got you got to think that he's still the best coach in the NBA, I mean, with, with what he's been able to do with this roster. Uh, Greg Popovich will always, to me, be the greatest coach of all time. I don't care about Phil Jackson. I don't care about anybody else. I think Greg Popovich turns talent from – he flips over a rock and he doesn't care. He doesn't care what's underneath it. If it's a magworm or it's a beetle, he's turning it into an all-star. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, not super touted at coming out of college, was a fan. Turned out to be a fantastic draft pick. He's going to be an eventual Hall of Famer. He's an absolute superstar. I know he's hurt right now, but look what he was able to do with Lamarcus Aldridge this year. There was clearly a problem last year with Lamarcus Aldridge. He wanted to leave. Greg Popovich, who could have easily let him slip through the door, he's let other players leave as well. He sat down with him and really turned it around Aldridge becoming an all-star this year. He's playing on, on an all-star team, and that's really exciting for the Spurs to see because he's supposed to be one of those core all-star players for the Spurs that helps propel them to maybe the next level in the NBA playoffs. I like Fred Popovich, always his turn talent. I mean, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, he's made them into all-stars as well. I think that he's one of the best coaches of all time and never should be doubted when you're facing them in the postseason, even with the recent success the Warriors have had against the Spurs. Yeah, you know, I kind of wonder about LaMarcus Aldridge, though. He's always been touted as as a great player, and I think he's having another great year, but is he going to fold in the playoffs again? Because I remember last year when Kawhi Leonard got injured, they relied heavily on LaMarcus Aldridge as their second-best player, and he really did not show up. So, you know what, that kind of brings me back to the regular season only means so much, and we'll see what the Spurs are able to do the rest of the year. I don't know when Kawhi Leonard will be back. Um, That's all up in the air right now, but um, we got to talk some MLB. It's been a long time coming. We got the Hall of Fame class coming in on Thursday, and four unbelievable names that I'm I'm proud to say that we actually got to watch growing up. I mean, we were kind of coming up on the point where there was a lot of players that we had never seen, really, that were getting voted into the Hall of Fame. Um, we were too young to really remember them, but Chipper Jones, Vlad Guerrero, Jim Tomey, and Trevor Hoffman were elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame this past week, and you know what? I couldn't think of four better guys. I know that sounds kind of corny, you know, that it happens every year. There's great guys that get voted in, but I have to say Vlad Guerrero was kind of my first favorite player before Miguel Cabrera, and you look at those four guys, just unbelievable careers. Um Anything that stick out to you in those four guys, Roz? Anybody that you like watching more than the other? Well, the NFL had been doing it. The NBA, not so much yet. But Major League Baseball is just validating that we're getting older. And the fact that players that we watched growing up are finally getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. I obviously had my moment when Brett Favre got nomi- er, was nominated in the Hall of Fame for the NFL. But like you said, this was this was kind of my first batch of players when you played MVP Baseball 2005, when you started watching the Expos were still around. You have Vladimir Guerrero, 
I mean, Chipper Jones, for me, I had a baseball card that had part of his game bat in it. So I knew all these guys going into it. Trevor Hoffman going into the Hall of Fame. He didn't finish with the most career saves, but prior to Mariano Rivera taking it, he had finished his career on the top of that list. I mean, it's a wonderful group. Jim Tomey's a feel-good. You see him bounce around from team to team, but he'll be remembered as a Cleveland Indian. It's an awesome thing to watch. I'm very excited to watch this ceremony unfold. Vladimir Guerrero, such a personality, such an unbelievable athlete. This is a great group of guys that I'm very excited to watch yeah, um, get their shrine. I, I want to give a little rundown of some of the stats of these guys. They're really unbelievable. You look at Chipper Jones, was an eight-time All-Star, played all 19 seasons for the Atlanta Braves, ranks third all-time in home runs by a switch hitter. Um, the third baseman, he had a career 303 batting average, which is there's something to be said about hitting 300 for an entire career in the major leagues, especially especially spanning 19 seasons. Hit 468 home runs, was the only switch hitter with at least a thousand at bats and a 300 batting average, 400 on base percentage and a 500 slugging percentage. Um, we look at Jim Tomey, 612 home runs. Ranks eighth all time over his 22 seasons with the Indians, Phillies, White Sox, Twins, Dodgers, and Orioles. Um, he's got 13 walk off home runs more than any other player. I saw the video of the call he got from the hall. He was sitting with his family, started to tear up. And th- those are, I think, my favorite videos on YouTube are people getting called for the Baseball Hall of Fame. You look at Vlad Guerrero, was a nine time All Star, elected in his second try on the ballot, getting 92.9% of the vote. Um, in his 16 seasons with the Expos, Angels, Ranger, Rangers, Orioles, Guerrero had a 318 batting average and a 553 slugging percentage. Just unbelievable numbers. He, he'll be remembered as a guy who could really hit any pitch in or out of the zone um, from the Dominican Republic and was really one of those guys who just who just amazed you, not only with his stats, but his talent. I mean, he had one of the best arms I'd ever seen. Hit 449 home runs. I had almost 1,500 RBIs. Unbelievable. And then you got you got Trevor Hoffman, who was a guy who I think barely threw 85 miles an hour, but had one of the best changeups of all time. And he was really a fun guy to watch. Um, was still doing it even even into his 40s. So you look at those four guys. Stats are amazing. Um, and I think another big story was that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are still on the outside looking in not even getting 60% of the vote. Will they ever get in is the question. They will not. I know you want them to be in, and you've kind of gotten me to sway my opinion a little bit on that. I mean, Bond should be in prior to the steroid issue anyways, but they won't be in. These writers aren't going to change unless all of them die tomorrow and there's a whole new writer's guild. They're all going to keep voting the same way. I mean, Sammy Sosa is basically off the ballot at this point. Yeah, uh, it's it's just it's it's not going to it's not going to work for the steroid era. And I know you question, will Derek Jeter be in? Yeah, because he was. If you don't have steroids attached to your name, you're going to be gold. But if you're even in the Mitchell Report, if you'd been mentioned maybe as a suspect for taking steroids, you're just in some trouble. And I don't think you're going to find your way into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it was funny watching Peter Gammons on baseball tonight the other night. He's made a case that he thinks Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame, but he understands why some of his counterparts think he shouldn't be. I'm, you know, where I stand. I think I think Slug and Barry should definitely be in. I think he's one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time. 
But in the meantime, that's all the time we have for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. Follow our social media pages. We are on Instagram, Facebook. We share our episodes every week. We put out our picks, put out our predictions, and we got a big prediction coming up, Roz. We got the Super Bowl, the mother of all bowls coming up. But in the meantime, that's all the time we have here, and we will catch you after the break, everybody. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics and the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge. We were talking a little baseball. We got Hall of Fame coming in. We had Jim Tomey, Vlad Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, and Chipper Jones. Um, one more interesting tidbit on Chipper Jones was the second number one pick of all time to get voted into the Hall of Fame. The first one was the kid himself, Ken Griffey Jr., but we had some other big news in the MLB on Thursday night, Roz, and there was one team who was making all the moves, and that was the Milwaukee Brewers out of all teams. First, trading four prospects for Christian Yelich, I would say one of the one of the biggest up-and-coming outfielders in the game of baseball. And moments after that, signing Lorenzo Cain, former all-star for the Kansas City Royals, to a five-year, $80 million deal. This Brewers lineup is just got about three times as scary um, in the past 48 hours because you look at their lineup as it stands now. Christian Yelich, you got Eric Thames, Ryan Braun, Travis Shaw, Lorenzo Cain, Domingo Santana, Stephen Vogt, Jonathan Villar. This Milwaukee Brewers team, they they are making a push because they were close last year to making it, and I think they really want to make it this year because those guys are two huge signings for them. Yeah, I mean... This all goes back to the Marlins feeding Major League Baseball right now. <laughs> the Marlins. They are. Everybody's just, eating fish. They are. It is bizarre. Ozuna to the Cardinals. Stanton, obviously, the Yankees. Yelich. I mean, they're clearing house. D. Gordon to the Mariners. I don't know what Derek Jeter is saying in terms of them being able to compete this year. Maybe that's just to not totally make it seem like he's cheating for the league. I have no idea what's going on. But for the Brewers' sake, which you're talking about, it is concerning being a Cubs fan because this Brewers team is looking a little bit more legitimate. Their pitching still very questionable, although there are feelers out. Two teams, actually, that have recently gone out of their way to say that they're trying to get you Darvish, and that is the Milwaukee Brewers and the Chicago Cubs. I don't know if these two moves are going to make an impact on that decision of you Darvish, but we'll find out. I think you Darvish would be a very, it's like very essential add to the Brewers in terms of them being successful next year because at the end of the day, your pitching needs to be so successful in order for your lineup to really make a difference. I'm I'm all for what the Brewers are doing. It makes me nervous as a Cubs fan, but very big moves for them today. 
Yeah, extremely big moves. And you Darvish, I mean, a great pitcher, but you, you kind of saw in the postseason that he, he got rocked in that World Series. He had two starts, and I don't think he made it out of the third inning either time. But regardless, he's a guy who you know could possibly help you get to the World Series, if not win one. Hopefully he pitches better in the postseason next time. But you know what? That was talking MLB here on the Sporting Edge. We had another a big news story this week. Tiger Woods coming back, Farmers Insurance Open. We only got to see him play one day on Thursday. Obviously, we record on Thursday night, so he had another round after that. And Saturday morning, he's obviously going to be playing again. Hopefully, he makes the cut. But shot an even par, 72. It looked looked like he was in shape. Didn't look half bad. The world of golf is just more exciting with Tiger Woods, and I don't think there's any denying that from anybody. We have to do a clip it of all the conversations about Tiger Woods. I mean, there's vulgar moments about it. There's been pleading moments. There have been sorrow moments filled. It's very interesting. I think our timeline of Tiger Woods conversations on this show would make for a great compilation. It's good. He's shooting you in par. I remember, I'm the one that said he'll never win another major again. But his swing looked good. I got to watch some of his practice swings this morning. Some of the only sports I've been able to watch since being out in L.A. He looked comfortable. He looked good. He looked healthy. And that's what's really important moving forward for Tiger Woods. What I really wanted to bring up, though, about golf is golf is about the players and their years. So in the Chinese yearbook, it is the year of the dog. In golf, it is the year of the Rom. John Rom has moved up to number two. And I think it's going to be a major filled year for John Rahm. I could definitely see that. I know he was in a couple of my major picks last year um, out of Arizona State, one of the best young golfers on the tour. And he's a guy who hits the ball a mile, unbelievable swing, and is doing some great things on the tour. Um, But I I just can't stop talking about Tiger. I mean, it's amazing. I don't know if there's ever been one single person in any sport that has kind of lifted the entire sport and cause so much uproar like Tiger Woods has. And you see a guy who I don't think he's won a major in about 10 years now. Um, but 2009, every, so almost a decade. Right, almost a decade, but it's amazing how one person can kind of bring so much hype and so much excitement to the sport, you know, as as if he was, you know, God himself. And I think, you know, look, looking back at his career, there was, a, there was a certain stretch where he was God and was better than everybody else by a long shot. But still, even in his old ripe age, he comes back, and, and I think everybody's got to have it in the back of their mind that what if Tiger Woods comes back and just starts ripping off majors like it was like it was 2005 again? I mean, he's entering to me the Mickelson years. I know he's still younger than what Mickelson is since he won his last major. I, I'm stern on the fact that I don't think he'll win another major just due to the competition, just due to the young talent there is here. Honestly, I could. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I'm not going to say I could see it because that goes against what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he pulls one off on a day that everyone breaks their leg and he's the last one standing. So Tiger, it'll be fun to watch. When was the last time we seen him in the Masters? When was the last time we saw him in the PGA Championship? It's been a while, so it's going to be a great time. I'm excited to have him back. It makes more conversation for us. I really look forward to it. Yeah, I mean, whenever Tiger's back, you, you got to give him a few minutes of FaceTime because he is, I think, the best golfer of all time. And we'll see what he does from here. I mean, obviously, we have only seen him play one round, but maybe I'll wake wake up on Saturday morning, listen to the show again, and hopefully he's he's still in contention, shooting the ball great. But that was talking golf on the Sporting Edge. Now we got to move to our favorite sport, 
the National Football League. NFL football, we had the AFC and NFC Championship games this past weekend. And, hey, can I, I actually mean, interrupt you real quick, though, about this? Yeah. There's going to be a new football league. As of today, Vince McMahon, breaking news, is bringing back the NFL, the Extra Fun League. And I might have to pick a team and invest in that if the Packers are going to struggle because that will give me a second opportunity to watch football and enjoy it. The XFL is going to be back. They're going to not be with NBC, I don't believe, but they will start a year from now. The XFL will be back. Yeah, very interesting from Vince McMahon, kind of bringing us back from, I think it was 1999, but we'll see where it goes from here. I don't really know anything about the XFL because I was only five years old when they had that little stint back in 99, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I I love football. I mean, I don't think anything is going to ever come close to the NFL, but you never know. Something could happen. Maybe Johnny Manziel becomes the face of the league. I mean, that's always possible. I'd much rather see him come back to the NFL, but... Um, I think the Browns might always have a sweet spot in their hearts for him because they just they just can't seem to find a quarterback. Um, and Josh Allen came out and said he'd love to be the guy who turns the Browns franchise around. And I, I wouldn't be upset That's to see he that. Sucked. <laughs> That's just because how bad his accuracy was, how bad he was on his senior day, and he knew his draft stock was falling, and Darnold and Rose had previously said they preferred to stay in school. That was a PR move and a half for Josh Allen right there. Yeah, whatever it was, I mean, I, I want a guy who wants to be on the team and wants to win. Um, I really I like a guy that throws over sixty percent. Eh, baloney. Josh, Josh Rosen. <laughs> I don't even. I really don't like what he did. You know, saying he didn't want to go to the Browns, he might go back to school. Like, come on, it's the NFL. Go with whatever team takes you and, and make him a contender. I mean, I, I think that's that that's the coolest part for me about what Josh Allen said is that, you know, he wants to go with whatever team and he wants to go help him win. And who cares if it's the Cleveland Browns? Like, who wouldn't, as a college quarterback coming out of the draft, who wouldn't want to go to Cleveland and make them a championship contender again? I mean, you look at that, I think it was the 90, 80s or 90s, you know, they had a couple of good games with the Broncos. They just couldn't push it through. And for the past 20 years, they've been absolute garbage. Um, but they do have some pieces, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. And you look at a guy like Josh Gordon, if he can stay healthy. Corey Coleman, I think, is another great piece on that team. And Duke Johnson and Isaiah Correll. This team does have some weapons. I still find it hard to believe that they went 0-16 this past year. Um, you know, it, it's a feat reserved for only one other team, and that was the Lions, I think, I don't know, about eight years ago with John Kitna slinging the ball around to Calvin Johnson and Roy Williams. But you know what? This Cleveland team, I'm going to put it put it down right now. They're not going to go 0-16 again. But Hugh Jackson, he's got to be close to getting canned because I don't know any any coach who could go 1-31 and and feel comfortable about where they're at um, in the league. But, you know, Jimmy Haslam has done crazy things like this before. Pretty crappy general manager, if, if you ask me. But, Roz, you got about 30 seconds left. Let's Let's sum it all up, and then let's break down the games in segment number four. Yeah, I think the Browns are going to go 0-16 again next year. I think they find a way to mess up this draft. That's just my last hot take on this. Yeah, I mean, that would be just a level of bad reserved for, I can't even I can't even say for anybody. I mean, even a high school baseball team, Maine East, they win a game every once in a while. They were in our conference, and they were, they were terrible, but they did win every once in a while. But it's crazy to think that a team, you could play 16 games an entire season and not come out, out on top one time. I mean, they were actually pretty close in Week 17 against the Pittsburgh Steelers and their third stringers, but they couldn't get it done. But in the meantime, that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge. 
We had the Patriots moving on against the Jags last week, and we also had the Eagles and Nick Foles coming down to the Super Bowl. So we're going to break down those games, and we'll give you a little preview of the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Eagles coming up. We'll catch you after the break, everybody. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and we are back. Segment number four, we've got to break down the AFC and NFC Championship games. And in the AFC, Roz, we had a game that we've seen, I think, about six or seven times now. Tom Brady coming back against all odds, playing a crappy first half, and just just being Tom Brady, being the greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest to ever step on the field, coming back and just absolutely playing out of his mind to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, stunning Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles and Doug Marone. Um, I honestly do feel a little bit for Blake Bortles, a guy who was trashed the entire year. They talked about benching him in the first quarter of the season. Um, I think it was all the way up until game five or six, and he takes the team all the way to the AFC Championship game, only to fall short by the hands of the greatest of all time in Tom Brady, and here we sit again with the Patriots in another Super Bowl. So, if we remember last year, we did all of our picks for the NFL playoffs, and I just royally destroyed you, right? Absolutely yep. destroyed you. I was something along the lines of 12-2. and two. Yep. Would you say you would say that's what it was? close, and I was on the opposite end of that. I am 0-6 since the divisional round of this NFL playoff. I could not be more wrong if I tried right now. In fact, I would tell you to bet against me. I took the Patriots, all the points. They only scored. They only won by four. I told you the Vikings were going to poop on the on the minister on the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a complete other way around. This is not going my way, but I do want to talk about the Jazz Patriots game for a second. It's plain and simple. Portals, excellent effort. Didn't really turn the ball over. In fact, I don't think he did turn the ball over. He almost had that fumble at the end of the game, which forced the long fourth down. But that's an issue for a later conversation. Threw for 296 yards, threw a touchdown pass. Bortles played a good game. Played a good game. Wasn't enough. They couldn't find the end zone. That offense became stagnant. They went up 14-3, to and they should have been able to run the way they did against the Steelers and continue to find a way to put points on the board. They did kick two more field goals, which I understand was great. It, it gave them a lead. It extended the lead at one point. When you're playing against a team that is run by Tom Brady, you need to put the ball in the end zone. And that's what they couldn't do in the entire second half. They didn't find the end zone in the second half. They didn't find the end zone in the second quarter. They scored their first two touchdowns in the first quarter. And from that point on, Bortles could throw for as many yards as he wants. It doesn't matter. you got to find a way to get in those last 10 yards, which is the end zone. It wasn't going to happen. And I did say that was going to be the case in this game. Now, they didn't cover the spread, but Tom Brady knew that when the Jaguars were finally being held down by their defense, which one of the greatest moments in sports history was Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick hugging after the game. That's, that's what you live to see when Bill Belichick finally lets an emotion out. And Just for a second. They held them down. And it was just for a second, only for a second, but they held him down, and Tom Brady does what he does. There's no question about it. He did it. I mean, 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. This was easy pickings for them. I'm not concerned. I knew Tom was going to win that game. I knew he wasn't going to cover my spread, but that's just the way this NFL postseason has been going. Tom's going to win a Super Bowl. It's his Super Bowl again. He's going to have six. He's going to be Michael Jordan of NFL if he isn't already. That's what happened in this game. 
Yeah, you know, the Jaguars, to me, they kind of played not to lose, and that kind of started near the end of the first half when they decided to take a knee with a couple timeouts and a minute left. Um, you know, they, they didn't really play to win the game, and, you know, coming out of that hot first half, I thought they should have... They should have played to win the game. Absolutely, and they did not do that, and you, you can't play scared against a team like the Patriots because... What's going to happen is exactly what happened. Tom Brady leads this team to a fourth-quarter comeback. They score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and the rest is history. But let's um, let's break down what was sort of a game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. This game, I thought, was about to be a route in the favor of the Vikings, and Case Keenum throws that pick six, and 31 unanswered points later after that. We had a 38-7 ball game, and this, was, this wasn't this was very fun to watch. Um, but it is cool that in this crazy, wacky NFL season that we find ourselves with a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl playing for all the marbles, and they call him Nick Cardale-Jones-Foles. <laughs> it is interesting. That is definitely the best metaphor to go with, if you can call sports a metaphor. He, It wasn't a fun game to watch, but he literally looked pretty. I mean, not... Attraction-wise, he's got—he's one of the uglier-looking NFL players I've ever seen. But he was placing balls that Tom Brady might miss sometimes. I mean, some of his pass to Alshon Jeffrey. He had a pass to Nelson Aguilar that was just perfectly over the shoulder. And against against the so, number one ranked defense in football, I mean, the guy went twenty-six of thirty-three with three hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he made this Minnesota defense look like they didn't know what was going on on the field, and. I feel a little bit for Minnesota, but they didn't play well this game. Um, didn't deal with adversity after that pick six by Case Keenum. And I don't know where this leaves Case in terms of the offseason. I mean, I don't think he's going to be starting for the Vikings next year, but maybe he'll get picked up by somebody he'll find else. somewhere else. I think he will, but I think this, this definitely hurt his stock a little bit. I, I was going to say draft stock, but we're not talking about the draft anymore, but you know, this was a big shot for a big spot for him to shine, but he didn't play very well. Minnesota's defense didn't play very well, which you know, kind of the first time they really let him down all year. But Nick Foles, the Philadelphia Eagles, kind of against all odds. You know, they they beat the Atlanta Falcons in a very ugly game, and they came out and dismantled the Vikings. Um, and now they find themselves in the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and I got to give him a lot of credit because I kind of. I kind of trashed this Philadelphia team going into the playoffs. I didn't think they had much of a chance with Carson Wentz before that, but after he went down, I mean, I think mostly everybody except the people in Philadelphia wrote them off, but they've, they've been playing some fantastic football, both sides of the ball. Jay Ajayi had a pretty good game. Um, you look at Zach Ertz, one of the best tight ends in football, coming up with 90 yards receiving, and then you had Alshon Jeffrey with a couple touchdowns. Torrey Smith caught a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar had a pretty good game. This will be interesting. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, it is the Super Bowl, and I think Nick Foles, maybe he shows a little stuff in the big game. They gave a respectable line to come out with. They came out with five and a half right after the Eagles had finally put the end of the dismantling of the Vikings. Here's something interesting. I watched first take this morning. Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, and then Teddy Bruschi was on, who has won three Super Bowls with this Patriots team, and they were breaking it down. And Max Kellerman even mentioned to it, in Tom Brady's first run at the Super Bowls, it wasn't about Tom Brady who won those Super Bowls. It was about that special teams. It was about that defense. Ty Law in this first Super Bowl, or in Tom's first Super Bowl, had a pick six. Drew Bledsoe had to come in and throw a passing touchdown in Tom's first Super Bowl win. So 
right now, I think the Eagles are not to be overlooked. And that's the first time I've said that about a team with a backup. That's the first time I've said that about a team of this caliber because they do have a defense that's very strong. They do have a special team that I think can make an impact, impact play here. And what was interesting about Max Kellerman is saying the quarterback thing wouldn't have been much different. I know Carson Wentz is the better player, arguably should have been the MVP this year, and you'd love to see leading your team into the Super Bowl. But Carson Wentz is young as well. Nick Foles is more of a veteran, and I don't think it's going to come down to – it wouldn't have come down to either of these two quarterbacks because Tom's going to get the better of Carson any day, and he's going to get the better of Nick Foles any day. So it's really going to be important to see how the other factors of the Philadelphia – Philadelphia Eagles act. I think it's really important that the defense, it's really important that their special teams don't make any mistakes and that they come out there and make impact plays, a pick six, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, kick return for a touchdown. And it's important that Nick Foles stays in his lane. I feel like I'm LeVar Ball here. (laughs) Stay in your lane and you cannot turn the ball over. The Patriots are the best team arguably of all time anyways, but they are definitely the best team of all time on capitalizing on mistakes. Bill Belichick dreams about mistakes. He gets those men dreams that we I don't really want to talk about on the air but you know what I'm talking about about mistakes and he can capitalize on it so yep he's been doing he's been I doing it his, enti- his entire career with the Patriots and really watching a dynasty um for these past 15 years it's been something special and Tom Brady I think if he hasn't already if he wins the Super Bowl can cement his legacy as maybe the greatest player definitely the greatest quarterback of all time but that's all the time we have here For the Sporting Edge, everybody, we're going to get you our Super Bowl picks next week. Enjoy watching the Pro Bowl this Sunday. I know this is probably the most depressing part of the football season that we have to take a week off from real football, but we're going to break down the big game next week. All the players, all the matchups, we're going to get them all to you. But in the meantime, if you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. Catch you next week, everybody. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.